Just because you get sober, life doesn't just get easy. Preston King joins us from Underdog Marketing to tell his recovery story. He talks about getting lost in the jail system and gratitude for being held accountable by the drug court system. He says he wanted to put in half effort and get full results and is grateful for many successes like an apartment, furniture, job, and the lessons he has learned in sobriety. Enjoy. Welcome to the Illuminate Recovery Podcast. We shed light on mental health issues, mental illness, and addiction recovery. Ways to cope, manage, and inspire. Beyond the self-care we will discuss, you may need the help of a licensed professional. My name is Kurt Neider. I'm a husband, a father, entrepreneur, a handyman, and a student of life. I avoid conflict, I deflect with humor, and I'm fascinated by the human experience. And I'm Shelly Mangum. I am a clinical mental health counselor, and my favorite role of all times is grandma. I am a seeker of truth, and I feel like life should be approached with tremendous curiosity. I ask the dumb questions. I fill in the gaps. The Illuminate Recovery Podcast is brought to you by Illuminate Billing Advocates. Make billing and collection simple with leader in substance abuse and mental health billing services. Verification and analysis of benefits, pre-authorizations, utilization management, accurate claim submission and management, denial and appeal management, and industry-leading reporting. Improve your practice's cash flow and your ability to help your clients with Illuminate Billing Advocates. Today, Kurt and I get to talk with um, Preston King. Preston is the owner of Underdog Marketing. He went from addiction to business owner, and he has a powerful story to share. Um, I'll also mention that uh, Kurt and I got to meet um, Preston at um, at the Alema Harrington fundraising golf event which was kind of that was a fun event that was really fun to be out there and that was a lot of fun yeah be with everybody so Preston thanks for willing to being willing to come on here and and um and I know that you do marketing but you also have a, a pretty good story give us a little background of how you ended up where you're at now man what a loaded question I don't know how I ended up where I'm, <laughs> I just went with the flow of things, you know? Um, yeah. So how much time do we got? Cause I can talk you guys ears off. I got to limit myself here. Um, let's see. So yeah, I, I, uh, I used for a long time. Um, we'll kind of breeze through the beginning stages because, um, that's just so much there. Right. So I have a lot of trauma from my past. Uh, I, I really justified using drugs for a long time because I thought I was using heroin like a gentleman and I was still working. So it's okay. You know, um, I was actually in the army <clears throat> for almost six years and um, I was hooked on painkillers back in high school. Um, I did them recreationally, which I thought was uh, um okay to do is just kind of like yeah do them on the weekends or someone has them and it's just it's it's crazy because you always hear um how progressive addiction is and for sure when i look back at that like 15 year span i'm like holy shit like that that is that is it it exactly um and so that really took off when i got in the military it was um very easy to get painkillers especially when you get hurt um 
So that, that really took off with that. And then when I switched from active duty over to the National Guard um, and was stationed here in Utah, I joined the Utah Guard for the last three years of my like service, if you will. And um, I was still living in uh, Elko, Nevada, which I don't know if you guys know that place, but it's uh, solely all about mining. It's a mining town, hick town. Uh, so there's not a lot there. So um, the big step up for me was one day wanting, you know, painkillers and not and not having them and someone offering, you know, heroin instead, which um, I didn't even know the, the slang terms for them. You know, it's like, we've got this. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that is, you know. And so as soon as they said heroin, I'm like, whoa, like I'm not a drug addict here. I just do painkillers, man. So... <laughs> Which was really sad that I, I viewed it that way. And I mean, it was probably a couple hour span from when they told me about that to when I was like, is it that good though? Like, you know, it's like, oh yeah, come over and try it. And honestly, I can still to this day, you know, what, 13, 14 years later of uh, recalling that feeling um, of things clicking in my head or so I thought they were clicking in my head. I it was, I wasn't happy in life. And so when I went over there and, and partook in that, uh, man, what a wave of like comfort. And this is the solution that this is the solution for my problems, whatever they are. This is great. Um, and I have been chasing that high the entire time of my use because I thought it would be like that every time. <clears throat> and it surely wasn't. Um, so fast forward with that, you know, now I've got this uh, heroin addiction that I was still using like I was painkillers recreationally when I could. It was expensive. It's fine. But then it was every other day. And, you know, then I was timing it up for when I had to come over here to Utah for my weekend drills. And it's just like, well, if I do the last time I do it is a week before it'll be out of my system. Then it turned into, well, I can do it on Monday and just drink a lot. And, and it got closer and closer. Then I'm doing it on the way here for drill saying, I'm just going to give them fake piss and like, <laughs> we're okay. And like, it's crazy how much you justify things because I, I enjoyed being in the army. It gave me purpose. It gave me goals. You know, I was, I, I do well with structure and, um, and I threw that away, uh, which was really hard. Um, I was close with my unit here. They, they tried to help me, um, but I just couldn't be honest about it. And so when they finally like brought that up that I had a bunch of failed UAs for, you know, comes coming up as morphine and um, they, they tried to go to bat for me, but it just wasn't a, a go. And so I remember sitting down with the battalion commander, my company commander, my first sergeant, So I got to experience that, and the best part of that um, was I called who I was with right when we, like, took a break, and I said, you need to come down to, to Camp Williams, and I need some I need some heroin. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm going from, man, my life's gone to, okay, like, I'm all right, you know, and, and so that's how progressive this thing got. And, and since that happened, it turned into daily use. I couldn't keep a job, um, pushing family away, you know, just the typical thing that you, you hear with people of uh, just really isolating. Um, 
I tried to get sober several times. I went to several different rehabs. I was really, really good at the 30, 60, 90. Just let me get my shit together for a little bit and then try it again. Um, but it just wasn't this, it just wouldn't click for me. And so this last go round, um, before I got sober, um, almost four years ago, I've been four years sober, which is just crazy to me, <laughs> you know, um, I really hit the ground, um, running with it. Cause I was, I didn't really care. I didn't have any motivation. I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. I had all this experience in a lot of different areas. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that now that everybody's out of my life, this is great because now no one can tell me what to do and I'm going to isolate my room and I'm going to do my drugs and it's fine. So, um, got to do that. And, um, you know, I was with, um, with my, my, my uh, ex fiance now, she's still a really good friend. So it's so weird saying that, but you know, we have two kids together and uh, man and put her through the ringer with that. And um, the big wake up call was, you know, sh she got pregnant. Um, I was still using, I was stealing from her. She didn't know. And that all surfaced and she tried to help the best that she could. And um, I was, I was really good at pushing people away. So, you know, I pushed her out of the state. She moved away. We were getting kicked out and I didn't know what to do. So, uh, but I was so okay with that. I was okay with losing my best friend who's pregnant with my kid. I'm okay that my family literally had cut me off entirely. Um, I saw this as an opportunity to just go have some fun by myself for a couple of weeks homeless or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what I was telling myself, but I remember that I was okay. Like I was sad. I'm like, Oh no, like, please don't go. And I didn't want her to go. But the, that feeling of wanting the drugs more was a little bit more overpowering. And so she did, she left and we, I, we, I stayed the couple days that I had left in the, the place we were renting before they kicked me out, left all my stuff. And I just was hopping around for two weeks um, and, and the craziest part is just the desperation in those two weeks of, of being homeless and not caring about hurting other people. Um, I was okay with giving up my morals, right? I, I did a lot of things that I would never do now. And um, it was a really dark place, man. It, it, it man, I, I, whoever's, Whoever listens to it is probably like, yeah, like I, I know what he's talking about. It, that was by far the darkest it's ever gotten. And um, I wanted to kill myself, but I didn't want to kill myself. I didn't know what I was doing. But by the grace of whatever's out there, God, universe, like aliens, whatever, um, I was fortunate enough that the law picked up on me and caught up with me and they they broke into – uh, the hotel I was staying at that was paid from a credit card that I stole and it was fine. Right. And, uh, a bunch of them came in, they, they, they came in they took me away and I was like, this sucks. Cause now I got a detox in jail. Right. And I was really used to the whole, we're going to book you. You're going to be there for like nine hours and then we're overpopulated and we're going to kick you out. Um, I was not fortunate with this time, which if they would have done that, I don't think I would have been sober. I probably wouldn't be here. But um, the crazy thing is, is uh, for those who know about Salt Lake County Jail, right, you get put into quarantine and you're only supposed to be there a couple of days till they figure out where they're going to put you, what pod. 
Um, I was there for 11 days. The schedule's different. You're on lockdown more. There's people always changing. So you can't even like make a friend that's going to stay. 11 days. I fell through the cracks and they didn't realize it. And I didn't know to ask. And um, once they finally realized that, then, you know, like, they're like, well, we'll get you in a pod tomorrow. And that night, I remember sitting in my bunk. Um, I, I guess it wasn't at the end of 11 days, but day three, I remember just laying in my bunk. And so I'm, I'm 6'2". I'm not a huge guy, right? But going from the Army weighing 210, 220, like, that's what I should be at. So when they weighed me in there, I was uh, almost 130, 130 pounds. I, I have some pictures that I don't recognize me in. I, I was sucked up. And I just remember laying in the middle of the night on this uncomfortable bunk. And I just looked down and, like, just my hip bone just was, like, sticking out. And I remember I could just grab the whole thing and I just started crying and I went and looked in the mirror and I was like, I don't know who I am. You know, then all these things are rushing. Your, the, your fiance is in a, two states away, pregnant, scared by herself. You always talk about how bad, you know, those, those people out there that are bad parents or anything. It's like, you're that guy right now, man. And, um, man, I bawled so much that night. <laughs> It was it was such a spiritual moment because I couldn't get past day three for over a year. And I don't know what switched, but something did. And it made the rest of the stay a lot easier. And I'm so grateful that I got to go to jail for that. And so that stay was about three or four months I got to stay in jail. But what made it really hard was that every week they'd say, hey, you're actually going to get released. Um you know, this week at this time, because I'd go to a, I'd go to court from jail. Judge would say, plea in advance, let's do this. You're getting released tomorrow, right? Cool. Then tomorrow would come and the day that time would go past. And then I was still in there and I, you know, I'd ask what, what's going on. And they're like, well, more, more charges were filed, buddy. <laughs> this, is, yeah, this is what I meant by uh, my, it was finally catching up to me. Like, you, I don't know how often you guys hear it, but it's like, thank God life isn't fair. Because if it was, I would have been locked up long ago. I would have been dead long ago or just, just how much it is, right? But I think it has this mercy limit, too, of you're going to get what's fair and, like, what can, like, change you, right? And so this went on for three months. Every single week, I got told I was being released and then not. So it was a really bad mind mess up right and so um finally when we're getting up to i think it was 17 or 18 charges they're just my public defender came in and she's just like this really isn't good like now we're really racking stuff up and because right now i think it was two uh one to fives or one something like that but it'd be consecutive and it didn't really hit me in there either that i'm like you know I'm just a drug addict and I'm going to be going to prison. You know what I mean? That was big. And so they're like, I was like, well, what can we do? You know, I didn't want to go to prison for that. So um, they're like, well, we're, we're thinking we're trying to present to this, this judge in Salt Lake that we want to globalize everything and put you in drug court. I don't know why nobody's put you in drug court before with your history for the past five years, you know? And I just thought that was treatment. And I was like, I can do treatment. That's easy. (laughs) 
<laughs> so felony drug court here, whoever's listening, is no joke. It's hard if you don't want to get sober. It's easy if you want to get sober. It took me 18 months to finish it. Um, a rough, I think it was a little bit more than 18 months. But it was hard. And I learned that the hard way with uh, I had I was fortunate enough to have Judge Skanky in Salt Lake. Um, he was very strict with things. He, I tried to bend on, on certain stuff and he wouldn't allow me. And that's the shit I need. And, and so when I, when I globalized everything, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do whatever you guys want. Um, they're like, okay, we'll let you go, but you need to, you need a place to stay. And I, I'm so glad that I knew people, uh, Christian Smith, um, one of my best buddies. I freaking love that man. I, <laughs> the fact that he will pick up when I call him in from jail. Um, yeah, he helped me get a bed at, at Renaissance, uh, sober living. Uh, they, I didn't have insurance. I don't have money either, mind you, which is why I, I, what you guys are doing is so huge because I just got lucky that I knew somebody. Right. And, uh, so they said they, they would let me in that I could be released there. He made that all happen. And so like it all just lined up great. And I got out and I was able to like really put in the hard work to get my fiance back. Um, I wanted to be sober before my kid was born, which I have. My kids will, you know, haven't seen me ever be on drugs. I've got two beautiful kids, uh, Daisy and Waylon. Um, they've been my motivation. And these last three years have just been just crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's the best way to describe it. Um, but I do wish someone would have told me that um, just because you get sober, life doesn't get easy. Mm. I, I really thought that was my only problem. And I don't know how many times people told me drugs weren't your problem. That was your solution. I'm like, I don't even know what that means, dude. They were my problem, right? But no, they were the solution to not feel shit. And uh, uh, that took me a while to realize that. Um, and cause I really thought once I stopped doing drugs, then I can enjoy life, which is true. I, I get to enjoy the little stuff. Um, I get to feel things. I, I'm, uh, one thing that was hard for me to accept is I am a super sensitive guy, <laughs> which before I was like, don't call me sensitive, you know, but now I, I'll be the first to tell you, I am so sensitive. I can cry and at anything you know i'm just i'm full of emotions and that's okay and so um yeah I, I really thought life would be easy and it is to a point but it's just you're experiencing what everybody's experiencing right and you don't have that coping mechanism that you, you well you do have it but you shouldn't use that coping mechanism of using drugs to deal with it and man once you develop some things that really help um, it's worth it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm almost four years sober and I'm, I still, life's hard, you know? Um, it was, it was a grind and the, the biggest saying out of all the sayings I've heard is it works if you work it. <clears throat> um, it honestly pissed me off for a long time because I want to put in half effort and get full results. And I learned that the hard way. And I, I really put in everything I had. You know, I'll, I'll work being a felon. I, I work any job I could and they're not very good jobs and they don't pay the bills. And, you know, I was able to have my daughter. I got to be there for the birth of my daughter. Um, I got my best friend back. She came back from California. She put all this trust in for me. 
Uh, shout out to Don. Love you, dude. <laughs> and, uh, dude, we just went through it. You know, when we, I got an apartment, like what? I got a car. Uh, the only furniture that was in there. And this was when I was like, I think I was six or nine months sober by the time my daughter was born and they moved over here. Um, the only furniture we had in, in our little one bedroom apartment downtown in Salt Lake was her bassinet. Uh, we slept on the floor. Uh, I went to DI. I got four plates, four bowls, four forks, you know, like that's all I could spend. I was donating plasma. I was charging electric scooters, like anything to make this work. And then it's just like, I don't know what it was, but it's something that's super motivating that it's like, holy shit, I'm doing the work and like, look at these results. Right. And then I was able to buy some furniture and then we got to get a new car. And it's like every year has been this progressive thing because I know what I want. I'm not saying I have everything now, but there's no, I have to say it because I'm really trying to um, filter. There's no fucking way that I would have ever thought <laughs> Uh, if I, if you told me downtown that I would be living in this town home and I'd have the cars that I have and I'd be owning a business with two kids and, and paying the amount of bills that I do, you're crazy. There's no way I couldn't pay $700 a month. What are you talking about? You know? So that's where the hope is. The hope lies with the work that you want to put into it. How bad do you want things? And it's not easy. It is not easy. I'm still, I still struggle with things. Um, I mean, even now, like I said, my ex fiance, that's still pretty recent. And I've been really open with that because I think there's a lot of growth to really own stuff. Um, but she's my best friend and we just, I just didn't catch on to certain things sooner and that's okay. Cause, uh, it's a learning process with this whole life thing. <laughs> so um, anyway, that's, that's, a, that's, that's an incredible like story, Preston. I mean, I, I'm listening to you. One thing I heard you say is that you've got a lot of, a lot of trauma in your childhood, right? That, that you're growing up was traumatizing, especially as a sensitive person. Right. And it, I think that, that was probably a hard thing to come to as this, you know, you're this military guy and you've done all the hard things and, and someone tells you you're sensitive, like, no, that would be wrong. That would just be wrong. But the fact that you can, exactly. you know, you can connect with that also is probably some of the reasons why that, that, uh, that trauma was so influential to you as, you know, as a young person growing up. I I'm curious yes. about what part of that you had to look at going through recovery that helped you. I mean, you said something clicked for you and it was a real emotional time as you were in jail and some of those pivotal moments that, you know, that took you from one, one place to another. Um, but did you have to go look at that trauma and did you have to deal with that trauma? What, 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 what did that look like in treatment? Oh, for sure. So, which is funny too, cause there was a lot of this trauma stuff I'm not going to bring up in treatment. That that's how I viewed it. There's, there's no reason to talk about it cause it's not the problem. Um, the only reason why I'm so open about it now is because I kind of tested that. I'll give you a little bit, right? This is over the past several years. I'll, I'll give you a little bit and we'll see how that, that handles and, and what have you. But <clears throat> honestly, um, as soon as I was able to accept um, that it's okay to not be okay with things um, and then I have some trauma and that's okay, you know, uh, I, I had this thing, it, this toxic masculinity of like, bro, 
buck up, cowboy up, like stuff it down and like move on. And um, I think that's where a lot of my trauma came from um, within my life and, and growing up, which uh, this isn't me bad mouthing any, any religion by any means, but my experience with uh, a certain church was very hard. Um, it was very difficult being shamed with certain stuff. And so I bottled that in for a long time. And that's what made me an angry person that made me think that I got to be Mr. Macho Man. Um, and I'll tell you what, I, I actually, uh, e even though how hard shit is right now to deal with everything, man, I love who I am now because uh, I will be emotionally honest with you. I will freaking cry. I'll tell you any traumatic shit you want to hear. Um, I don't know. It's such a freeing thing. So really trusting the process and leaning into it. Um, it's scary. It's, it's scary as all hell, though. I'll, I'll give anybody that. It's not easy. Yeah. No, that's a lot of work because because it's the one thing we've spent you've spent your whole life avoiding, right? Is avoiding all of the pain and all of that, and 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 now they want you to sit in it, like what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sit in that for a second, I'm like, what does that mean? I hurt right now, and I don't like this. But I mean, even yesterday, I did a post. Um, I did a post on my personal page about mental health awareness and just the struggles with people have with that kind of stuff, right? Being bipolar or borderline personality disorder and just the up and down with emotions. And I feel emotions like I feel extreme, you know? And so um, being able to sit in something like that and, and kind of seeing the good, because uh, I mean, yesterday I was, I had a great day at work, had a great day with the kids. And then all of a sudden I was just like sad at some stuff that I'm stressing out about that is going to be okay. <laughs> and uh, I just was, I just started crying. And I'm just like, man, this sucks. And then it just kind of, again, uh, these things just kind of clicked for me. But um, I was like, this is actually really cool that I get to feel this. Anytime before, it's like I'm going to use drugs and then it just all stopped, right? Because I don't know what it is, therapeutic, what, like having a good solid cry. <laughs> and then afterwards, Oh man, like just talk about it. It's just so relieving, right? And waking up today and I feel great today. And I'm just like, I'm really glad that I got to sit in that shit, right? No one wants to sit in it, but the hard stuff's what's worth it. Well, it's interesting because I mean, you're this, you're this, this tough guy. I mean, you know, you're this tough guy that has a tough background and, you know, you've got all of this and, and you know, and well, and, and your life feed can see, but you know, you got tattoos going on and, and sometimes yeah. I associate that with, you know, sometimes I've seen people that they'll, they'll tattoo for, because of the pain. Right. And I don't know if that's why you tattoo, but they'll tattoo cause it's about pain. And, yeah. um, you know, and so you've got some of that stuff going on. Gauges are definitely painful. And I can see that you've got some, some pretty sweet gauges going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> And, and then, but then that you're willing to say, look, if, if I can, if I can go through and sit in that emotion and be okay crying, then I can feel better the next day. Cause I was able to process that emotion and let it go instead of bottling it up. And it does, it feels better, but it feels so darn scary that, you know, and, and so unacceptable because who says, oh yeah, Preston, it's okay to cry. Do it, man. Nobody says that, right? I mean, leastwise outside of treatment. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Don't cry. It's okay. That I mean, even my even my daughter when she seen me cry, oh, don't cry, Dad. And I, I tell her all the time, it's okay to cry. Like this is okay, you know. And so yeah, that's not a social norm. Don't cry. It's okay. 
it's just okay, right? So absolutely, there's hope in that. Just like trust in the process that if you lean into that and, and feel those emotions, <clears throat> I mean, even just 24 hours, you know, don't don't use today, tomorrow I'll readdress it if you really want to go use. Um, yeah. But just do that, okay? Let's just try this option first. And, and then tomorrow let's readdress it and see if that's really what you want to do. That's always an option. I, I need options. Don't tell me I can't do something. Okay. Don't tell me I can't do something. It's just, uh, I, I mean, when I was a recovery coach, I told my guys all the time, I'm like, using is always an option. Don't come in here and tell me, yup, I just can't use anymore. Like bullshit, man. You, I don't care if you're facing prison time, you can go use, you have that freedom and that power to make that choice. And that's where the empowerment comes from. I chose not to use drugs today. Not because I couldn't, there's that's not cool. Right. I chose that. I chose that and it empowers me. And so then the next day it's a little bit easier. It's just like, well, I didn't do it yesterday. Yesterday turned out pretty cool. <laughs> you know, you got to build those habits. So, um, yeah. I like that though, because you build on choice and being able to make those choices consciously, consciously is power. I mean, yeah. that's power. And and so often in, in society, we think that showing those emotions is weakness and, and, and I, I don't think, I mean, I don't think that's true. And I know you don't believe that's true anymore, but there's so many people out there that go, yeah, no, there's no way I'll ever show emotion because that's weakness. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything more powerful than somebody that's able to show emotion and be authentic. Yeah, which, man, I heard that all the time. And it's just like, I, I don't know what it was. It just, that didn't click for me. It's like, what do you mean? You want a sensitive guy that's going to open up and cry to you? Like, that's not brave or courageous or anything. Like, you need a mod man with this stuff but absolutely like if i can if i can be vulnerable with who i am and be true to myself and and just uh like connect with people because that's something i do believe like this whole purpose thing on life is connection with people we're meant to be around each other i mean that's why they put people in isolation because that's not normal we're not supposed to do that that is the ultimate punishment is to isolate someone right so it's like if how do i really connect with you guys i, I can I can connect with you by being emotionally honest about something. And I hope you can feel the, the, the genuineness behind that, especially if I show emotion and man, I have put that to the test so many freaking times and it comes back uh, in a positive way. Every single time. I can't remember any time that I've like cried or like opened up to somebody and it had a negative backlash. Never. Well, yeah. and the interesting thing is, is as human beings, we pick up on people's body language. We know when they're emotionally yeah. lying and we know we can't trust them. And so if you think that there's somehow power in that and that you're going to you're going to create these relationships that are so real without being, you know, authentic and vulnerable, it's just it's a lie and it's not true. Right. Because people can tell it's not yeah. you can't keep that a secret. Well, and that's with, with any type of relationship you got, you have your friendships, you have your coworker relationships too, but I mean, even like your, your personal relationship. Um, and that's part of like the, the, the learning experience, looking back, you know, at something that didn't work out. And it's like, man, I really wish I was a little bit more emotionally honest with where I was at with things. Maybe we would have been a little bit more connected and for, and for sure. Right. And, um, I don't like to get hung up on the past for sure. And, and it, and it sucks, but that's, that's also the, the, the positive thing with this is that I can look at a, 
at a mistake made in the past, losing a best friend, losing fiance, like all this stuff that's just was supposed to be so traumatic. And it was, I'm still going through that, but I get to learn for the next next, whatever's coming in my life that it's just like, all right, that didn't work. Plain Mr. Tough guy. Don't talk about your emotions. Don't communicate. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) And I feel bad about it, but man, I'm so glad that this is all happening so that I can be a better you know, uh, example for my kids. And I will always tell them like, share your emotions, share what you're feeling. Uh, be vulnerable. Um, because when you have that kind of vulnerable connection with somebody, man, that, I mean, you guys both know what that feels like when you, you've, I mean, you, you got something that popped in your head exactly of, yep, I have that one person that I can just be completely vulnerable with and I can cry with and, and that's special. So, um, yeah. Well, I want to I want to make a point of pointing of pointing something out that is fairly rare. I mean, we've got here in Utah and across across the world is huge high divorce rates and, you know, people going from relationship to relationship. Um, But what I heard you say is that you have this fantastic relationship with this, you know, with the mother of your children and your best friend. And that, you know, you've chosen to make that an important relationship and not let all of the pain and the hurt involved with it affect the way you parent and the way you relate with each other. And and I think it's worthy to talk about that because I think that's something that we need to learn to do. We get so busy holding resentments and holding other people accountable that we keep ourselves trapped in that, you know, it's painful to us more than anybody else and we keep ourselves trapped. So I also noticed that, that, you know, that's what you're trying to do. And that takes a tremendous amount of courage. Um, yeah, that's, that struck a chord too. Um, that it's hard. That, that has been the hardest thing. Social norm is you got to hate your ex, right? Get away. They're terrible. And like, I've never wanted that. And it still isn't easy. This hasn't been some perfect process, which we can all, you know, uh, appreciate with that. But I think overall the direction that it's going is, really cool you know like that we can look back and be like yep like this is where i fucked up this is where i wasn't good as a person um on both sides and then just like both want to grow from that and then like both support each other for that so um i don't know that's another just social norm that i i hate that it has to be that way Uh, i love that we can um, not fight over the kids and we don't got to go to court for this stuff. Like that's where the, I can try to look at this shitty situation and see a lot of positive things. Cause I have worked with a lot of guys that that is not the case. They're going to court. They're spending tons on lawyers and this and that. And it's like, no, but like, you know, we're not going to do that because that's not cool for the kids. We're here for the kids. Let's make this work. You know? Yeah. And it's hard. I can tell, I can tell that it's, you know, it, it jerks at the heartstrings because obviously you, you love her. She's your best friend. Right. Um, and so, and I like that you can own when you've made a mistake and say, you know, I I probably didn't show up the way I wanted to yesterday. And, you know, and I see that and I apologize and, and you've got that kind of an open relationship, which just, it just builds character and it, and it shows your kids how to do hard stuff too. So I love that example you're setting. That's pretty powerful. Well, thanks. It's it's still work in progress. We're 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 doing the best we can. So thanks. <laughs> so let me ask you this: How do you go from you know go from recovery and and homelessness to you know creating the underdog marketing organization and and 
And how do you even get into that from where you were at? Oh man, it's 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 still such a weird, crazy story. I love how life just happens. Um, so breezing through these last couple of years, uh, so I, I worked at Renaissance Ranch um, uh, right after I hit my one year sobriety. They're like, hey, come back and work and be a recovery coach. I loved it. I freaking loved that job. I loved talking to guys, uh, everything. I had a little bit different approach because I was so stern and it's just like, well, if you want this, you just, you just do it. I don't care. You got to walk 10 miles, just do it. You know, and, and it worked for some guys and it pissed other guys off. And so I was a good worker. I, I do pride myself in my work ethic because for so long I was not a good employee. I'm going to rob from you, steal you, whatever I can. And then you'll fire me and it's whatever. Um, and so the ranch actually wanted to start a uh, work program. It's called was called Team Innovations. I don't know if you guys ever heard of them. Uh, a couple of years ago is when they were active with that. And I, I had an opportunity uh, that they offered me because I was trying to make more money. Um, and so they're like, well, come help with this work program, right? And so I got to be a part of that. I was the administrative director, which I had no idea what that was. Uh, but basically, I was an assistant to the, you know, the, the owners and just did whatever. Um, but man, we we were on to something with Team Innovations. We grew that uh, to where we were connecting with all the rehabs around here and just saying, hey, we can get, we can fill your beds. I can make your sober living profitable. And we can give anybody a job if they're just, just show up to work. And so basically they'd show up to work. We'd have their rent come or for sober living, that money come out of their checks. And then they were paying for their outpatient themselves. So they didn't need insurance. It was kind of a test run with that. But I mean, we literally pulled guys off the street who had nothing, no money, no insurance, no family, nothing. The people who actually need the help basically is what I'm saying. And we made them self-sufficient, efficient, and it worked. And it was so cool. And so in that process that we were growing, I think we got up to almost 60 people at this like call center. Um, I got, I just got a lot of experience in a lot of different areas with some marketing, with sales, with payroll, with admin stuff, with like, where do I got to go to buy office supplies? Just like everything. And I got to like be that. Um, and, and so when Team Innovations had closed down um, two years ago, uh, it was kind of a hard thing because I was finally making some good money and, and working hard for that. And my brother-in-law actually owns, uh, he owns All Hours Plumbing. And so that, I, that went under right before my second kid, my, my son Waylon was born. He was born on Veterans Day. It, two years ago and so um that was hard and so he reached out and was just like hey just come help i need help uh, my marketing director needs needs some help here and i was like okay so i knew some i didn't know a whole lot i knew some right i know how to talk i know how to sell i just i don't know and so i got to go do that and i got just i dove head first into it i was hungry i was motivated i wanted to make it work Fast forward two months and I was the new marketing director, right? <laughs> right? I, I love statistics. I love data and they didn't do any reporting. So I was just like, I was nerding out over this large plumbing company that had a lot of revenue and there was no reporting on, you know, this or that. And so uh, I was able to do a lot of good for them and, you know, um, 
oh man, I, I learned so much with marketing, dealing with agencies, really was teaching myself stuff. I was putting through myself through some courses online, all that stuff. Um, and then last year at the end of the summer, um, that relationship didn't work out working with families hard. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> and, uh, um, I was just like, well, what am I going to do now? Cause again, that was another step up. Now I've got a bigger house. It's more expensive, like all these things. And now it's like, I, it was a huge step back. I thought we were going to lose everything. And now I've got two kids and a fiance at home. I was scared shitless. I didn't know what was going on and I was still sober. I'm like, Oh God. Um, <laughs> and so it's actually funny with underdog, uh, that year before that, when, uh, team innovations was still around, uh, me and a friend there were like, we want to replicate this. So we registered the name underdog with two G's and we're like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. That was still the plan. And I, I had things lined up when Team Innovations went under. I was only supposed to stay with my, my brother-in-law for a couple of months because I had all this stuff lined out. So Underdog was supposed to be a recovery uh, call center workplace, okay? <laughs> and then COVID hit really hard uh, last spring. And all the campaigns I had going shut down. And I was just left here with this business. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll just stay in all hours, right? So that that's sat on the shelf. So then when all hours went where we had our separation, I remember I got a, something in the mail. It was almost that one year mark that it's like, hey, you need to renew your business name with the state and all this stuff. And I'm like, I need to do something with this. And at that point, a lot of people were hitting me up for some side work on marketing. Right. And I was just like, fuck it. <laughs> Sorry. But let's just I'm going to just do this. OK, so I switched it over i got everything i branded it finally it was like all official and and i started last fall and that's what i've been doing it since then and um i still do my, my i have another job that i do during the day but um like i'm at that point where i'm making more with my business than i am my day job and it's like these last couple of weeks right we got all these changes going family dynamics is changing I mean, I'm like, who am I? What am I doing? So I'm like, I think I'm going to dive headfirst in this like, and finally just do it fully because I've been able to do it enough with my clients that I have and everything that um, I can. I, I think I just want to do this full time. And, and so that's where we're at right now. And um, I've been fortunate enough that the word of mouth has been really good. Um, I Everybody that I've been able to help, we've gotten awesome results for. Um, and uh, my niche is small business. Because uh, last year, a lot of my family are business owners, but last year with COVID, small business got hit hard, and I hated seeing that. And so having that experience at all hours of working with so many agencies and seeing how they did things, I saw what I liked, I saw what I didn't like, and I you know, got to cookie cut this. But uh, my niche is small business. For people who have never um, had any experience with an agency or have had a bad experience with an agency. Um, I don't do long-term contracts. Like I, uh, we can build whatever you're wanting out of this because digital marketing is the easiest thing that you can do for your business to really take it to that next level. And that's, what's really cool. is like the businesses that we're able to work for and have, that I do work for, like they're seeing the success with it that, and you know, I, I hated that there was no standard price for stuff. So I'm literally like half anybody else because 
I think that's what's fair. Stop, you know, I don't want to just try to make a dime off someone. I want to make a relationship off somebody and, mm-hmm. and like grow together. So that's been working for me so far. Very cool. Very cool. Do you plan on, um, you know, you did the call center, you know, associated with people in recovery. Are you going to do stuff like that again? Are you going to try and incorporate that or really just focus on, on underdogs? Man, perfect world. I would love to figure out another way to have a campaign. That's a catch all, right? Like I can't just have a sales campaign and you come in and you're just cold calling people, right? That's not the best for everybody that's in recovery. But I'm telling you something was special with that. And and I would love to have my company be involved in something with that to where I don't, I don't, I don't care what your background is, what felonies you got. If you're trying to get sober and you're going to treatment, like let's give you a job and like make this happen for you. Um, and I, I do see that down the road when I can put some more focus into that on uh, being of service, at least for a workforce standpoint to give guys that are coming out of jail or prison or off the streets and are wanting to change because uh, addicts and alcoholics can run this, this planet. I'm like, if you're able to feed a hundred to $200 habit with no job, no home, you know how to you problem solve. Right. And that's where like, I will pride myself in. I'm so glad that I'm an addict in recovery because I would have never been able to like overcome some of the shit that I have financially or anything. It's just like, okay, this is a lot of money. I don't know how we're going to do this, but I'm going to figure it out. And then I'm able to, and it blows my mind. And that's why I'm just like, dude, I will hire an addict and alcoholic any day if they're wanting to stay sober because that like power that they have, man, when you put that to good, it is so crazy to see what these people can do. Oh, I love that you say that too. I was talking to somebody about that just this morning, that the people in recovery that I know are some of the most incredibly talented people I know. And they've got, they come with this whole skill set. They think it's all negative, but you tweak it just a little bit and it's pretty powerful. Same with even gang members, right? There's a whole society and culture and they learn all sorts of skills. If they tweak that just a little bit, they become very powerful, influential people in in the world and and can make things happen so i i agree with you 100 percent. yeah yeah it's that's the cool thing is seeing that the positive behind the shit that they're in um yeah people gave me a chance and i was able to kind of like prove myself with things and that's all i want to do with other people so uh, great question i think eventually um i could put more focus into that and make something happen but who knows i i have no idea what's going on <laughs> nice very nice <laughs> Well, Preston, I love that you've shared your story. I mean, we could talk for hours and hours, I'm sure. Um, but let people know how to get a hold of you if they want to connect and, you know, and touch base more. Yeah. Um, so you can find me on, on Facebook. Uh, it's just Underdog Marketing. It's with two Gs. So just think Snoop Dogg. I know that's corny as hell. What's the best way to do it? Um, so Underdog with two Gs, <laughs> Marketing. Um, and then the same thing with the website, underdogmarketing.com. It's got all my contact information. Um, I'd love to be of service with anything else. This doesn't just have to be business related. Um, but if you got a business or you need a website or you want social media help or anything like that, like hit me up and let's let's get something going. Very cool. Uh, very cool. All right. Well, Preston, it's been fantastic. And uh, we'll have to connect with you here in a year or so and see where things are at please do. That would be really cool to see. So I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Preston.